I'm going to read right now from John 1, verses 14 through 18. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Titus 3, verses 5 through 7. He saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. And let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we pray now that um, your word would come clearly through uh, the words that I've prepared. Um, you would speak through your word to us today. And teach us how to live in your grace. Amen. So apparently the number one most well-known Christmas carol, Asher, and most recorded, most covered is, well, what do you think it is? Not Jingle Bells? Silent Night. Yes, Silent Night. I learned this in a podcast this week. It's got thousands of covers, um, you know, recordings uh, registered. Anyway, we sung that here last night, and in that song there's the line, Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Now, I'm, I seriously doubt whether the baby Jesus had beams of light shooting out of his head uh, on that night, but um, the second line is accurate because when Jesus was born, grace dawned in this world in a whole new way. Grace broke in into our world in a new way. Just as the sun, S-U-N, is the source of all natural light in our world, um, so the sun, Jesus, is the source of all grace that we know. 
John tells us that Jesus is full of grace and truth, and that from his fullness we have received grace. Meg read that. The thing is, we are empty people who need to be filled. We need grace. We are sinners who need to be pardoned. And so if there is one thing I want you to remember today, it's that Jesus has more than enough grace for you. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 80 years or for eight months. Um, I don't care if you feel that you're a terrible sinner or you're doing pretty well. If you're a kid or an adult, Jesus, and only Jesus, um, has the grace that you and I need. And he has enough. So this morning, as, we, as I share a shorter uh, reflection and sermon, I want us to open up our lives to his grace, hopefully in some new ways today, and to understand what the dawning of his grace actually means. Um, so first, what is grace? It's a word we hear a lot in church. We, um, it tends to become one of those words that we can make mean whatever we want it to mean. It's so flexible. Well, one way to translate grace is gift. Uh, simply gift. A gift is something that we are given that we don't ask for, we don't earn, we don't even deserve, we don't request. Um, <clears throat> we talked about, you know, Shirley's testimony. She was given this gift of help from this man who just showed up. She didn't ask for him to help. She didn't deserve it or earn it or solicit it. He just came with his help. That's a gift. Um, uh, we have all had things happen in life that made us think, God didn't have to do that. That was just so kind of him. It was such a gift. That is a form of grace. Um, but Jesus Christ is the source, the, the, the spring of all the grace that we have ever been given. So let's look at John chapter 1, starting in verse 14. I'm just going to read verses 16 and 17 here. Um, Out of his fullness, Jesus, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Um, some translations say, out of his fullness we have received grace upon grace. You're probably familiar with that. Which makes you think, oh, we just received a lot of grace. Grace after grace after grace. But actually, um, most uh, Bible tr scholars believe that what this is saying um, is that grace was given through Moses through the law, but we have received grace in place of that grace because we have the fullness of grace, which is Jesus Christ. We talked about this a few months ago in the book of Exodus, how the law was a form of grace. It was not a ladder to earn salvation, but a path laid out in which people could continue in the salvation they had been given. It was a gracious gift of God. The source of that grace, even in the law, was ultimately Jesus. Because he has the fullness of grace. To use an analogy, think about the, the moon and the sun, right? 
on nights when there is a full and bright moon, we are still seeing light from the sun reflected off the moon. But when the sun rises, we see the real thing, the real source. In fact, it's so bright you can't even look at it, right? Um, The grace revealed through Jesus is as different as the sun is from the moon. The grace we know in Jesus compared to the grace that was given through the law. Moses gave a reflection. We have now seen the source, the source of grace. Um, the moon, the law provided, you know, the moon, like the law like the moon provided some light, but not the kind of light that warms us or makes things grow or um, gives power, right, to do what is right. But now the sun has risen. Jesus has come. And here's why the grace that came through Jesus is so much better than the grace that came through the law. See, the law was a revelation of God's character. It taught people how to live in a right relationship with him. Um, But the law had limits, right? It was not offered to everyone, just to Israel. It could not provide full forgiveness of sins. Um, And it could not change human nature. When Jesus came, grace was revealed in a totally new way. The nature and power of that grace is as different as the sun is from the moon. So John said the law was given through Moses. This is important. Law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was an instrument, a thing, a, um, uh, you know, not a living thing, but something written on stone. But when the fullness of grace arrived in the person of Jesus, it was a living, breathing human being, God in the flesh. Not written in stone, but in the body, in the person of Jesus Christ. And that person, Jesus, did what the law could not do. His grace is wider and deeper and stronger than we can imagine. So it's, it's wider. It is for all people. Titus chapter 2, verse 10. The grace of God has appeared. He's talking about the Christ event that offers salvation to all people. That's why you and I can sit here today. We're not Jews We're Gentiles. We're people outside the covenant of Israel, and yet the grace that we've known through Jesus has been offered to all people. It's been preached through the whole world. It's wide. Um, All people who respond to his offer find salvation. Second, his grace is deep. Jesus died and rose again to provide full salvation and complete forgiveness of sins. Grace that saves us, that is redeeming. This is not a, a Christmas song, but we, you might know the hymn, Grace, Grace, God's Grace, Grace that can pardon and cleanse within. Grace, Grace, God's Grace, Grace that is greater than all our sin. Hallelujah. Those are, those are magnificent words. It's so deep that uh, God's grace is greater than all the sin you have committed or will commit in your life. 
Now, some people think, and we might ask, well, doesn't that just cheapen it? Doesn't it mean we can do whatever we want because we're forgiven, right? The answer to that is that it's not just wide and deep, but it's strong. It's not just a pardoning grace. It's a transforming grace. It actually works in us. God works in us through the Holy Spirit to help us want to do what is right. That's one way to know if, if you have experienced God's grace, is if it changes your heart, if you want to do what is right. Um, the law was just a set of guardrails to show you where the road is, but the grace we have in Jesus, uh, it's like Jesus gets in the car with us and helps us to drive and to stay on the road. It changes our hearts. We want to follow the spirit of the law. I was talking to Cody Miller this week. Cody Miller, you should all get to know him. Um, who became a Christian fairly recently in the last year and a half. And he was telling me that, um, he said, if, if someone had told me five years ago that I would be wanting to go to church and wanting to stop doing some of the things I'm currently doing, I would have said you're crazy. But God's grace has gotten a hold of him. And so he's being changed. And, and by God's grace, that's happening in every single one of us. Still. It's wide, it's deep, and it's strong. The, the second reading this morning, uh, Titus, well, the middle reading, Titus chapter 2, also says, the, it, the grace we have through Jesus, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It teaches us and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. One misconception is that grace is opposed to effort, right? The, the late, great Dallas Willard said, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. You're not going to earn God's favor by doing good things, but his grace makes us want to strive and try to follow him. Think of it this way. Imagine, imagine that you've always wanted to play piano, but you don't have one. Well, uh, one day, a big truck pulls up to your house, and they throw up in the back, and the movers get out, and they carry a brand new Steinway grand piano into your living room. And there's a note that says, this is from a friend, um, may it serve you well. Now, what is that person going to do with that gift? Because grace is a gift, right? What is that person going to do with that gift? Are they going to sit at it and look at it or just cover it with plants and pictures and stuff? If, they're, if they have their head screwed on straight, they're going to practice. They're going to learn. They're going to play it and use it and let it produce the beautiful music it was made to produce. God's grace is the same way. It's a tremendous amazing, unearned gift, and it has a purpose that it might teach us how to do what is right, how to have beautiful lives, godly lives. It would be a shame if the redeeming grace we have been given in Jesus just sat collecting dust in our hearts, right? 
Let's make use of it. Let's build on it. Let's, let's take the power we've been given and, 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 and practice living in grace. <clears throat> so as I close today, I have a question for you to consider. How do you need to drink from the fullness of God's grace today? To put it another way, maybe what parts of your life need the light of the sun, S-O-N, shining on you right now? Where do you need God's grace? Are you feeling ashamed about something? And you feel God can't possibly forgive you or accept you or love you because of it? There is grace for you. Fullness of grace. Or maybe you're feeling proud that you can pretty much handle life and you're keeping God's grace at arm's length. You need the fullness of God's grace as much as anyone else, more than you realize. And it's there for you. Are you feeling tired or weak or discouraged? His grace is here to refresh you. Do you feel a sense of failure maybe that you're not changing as quickly as you think you should? And you failed, you, you screwed up today just like yesterday and the day before. Well, Jesus has grace for the 10,000th time you fail, just as he did for the first. He has fullness of grace. So you won't exhaust his patience, let his grace wash you clean, and then uh, let it be like Powerade that gives you strength and endurance for the fight. Do you sit here with a, a list of people in your mind that you have a hard time being gracious to? Think of the ocean of grace that you have been offered in Christ and pay it forward to them. Pass it on. Or maybe you are feeling depressed or purposeless in life, wondering why you are still here. Remember that Jesus considered you so valuable that he died for you. He died to redeem you by his grace, and now he gives you the gift of life in him. So, friends, redeeming grace has dawned. May we live in the light of Jesus. Amen.